0: Why don't we begin? Report to
1: we hope you enjoy little This is Fresh Hop
0: Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, your hopefully favorite podcast about craft beer and film. My name is Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. I feel Hi. Like, I see. I actually didn't do the voice that you criticized me for last week, but <laughs> I actually, I, for some reason, I just went into like full on radio voice and I was hoping you might be like, why do you sound like that? And I was like, that's how radio sounds. Let's go Fay. And it we're making nice the magic call forward to the vast of night, which we'll talk about later in this episode, which is to say we do cover one movie and two beers each and every week. Plus, oftentimes more as bonus content. Uh, on our patreon but also just on our normal episodes but johnny what is patreon and where can people find us online in addition to it yeah yeah patreon is a fun way to help support this show for as little as
1: one dollar a week four dollars a month uh, you can help make this magical feast for your ears happen we use all the money that we earn from patreon and pump it right back into content as far as just movies beer equipment all the things that make this podcast not a burden and easy to produce. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we bought Max a bunch of nice stuff so he can make us sound so damn sexy. So, <laughs> that's really the most important thing. And, uh, yeah, so consider supporting if you like the show because uh, it helps for sure. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema, Facebook at Fresh Hop Cinema Pod, Letterboxd at Max Minardi and at Johnny Summers. If you want to follow along all of our movie journeys, we log every movie we watch. Sometimes we review stuff on there uh, that we don't review on the show. Mm -hmm. So it's a fun little way to keep track of what we're watching and you can share with us what you're watching. It's a fun way to interact. So check that out. Letterboxd is fun. Uh, Also email us at fhccast at gmail.com if you have any opinions on the show suggestions questions comments concerns uh things we should cover movies you may want us to
0: watch stuff like
1: that uh it's fun it's a fun way to get a hold of us so do that also check out our website freshhopcinema.com and that is
0: it that is it correct um which means our mouths are parched and we need to dive into our first beer which uh, per tradition especially on this quarantine you have picked out so would you please tell me what the name of our first beer is as i open mine
1: yeah, my mouth is like the Sahara Desert. It's parched. I'm in need of some refreshment. So, the first beer I purchased for this week was a six-pack of Shiner Ruby Redbird brewed by Spetzel brewing in shiner texas they were established in 1909 this is a fruited beer it's four percent alcohol and it's rocking a beer advocate rating of 74 out of 100
0: okay johnny i gotta stop you right there you said shiner ruby redbird that sounds a lot to me like another beer that i've seen around certainly america and it's i think it's called shiner bach am i right in that shiner bach is very very popular absolutely same people who make this
1: yeah same people it's their flagship. It was, I think, 1909 was the first time they made it, or, like, 1913. I just fact-checked myself. Okay, sure. Yeah, Scheiner was first brewed in 1913.
0: Yeah, man. So, yeah, it's, like, a super popular beer. I've never had it, um, but— That's insane to me. I know. (laughs) There's there's a couple of those beers that just seem ubiquitous in in all beer culture that— you would think that a host of a craft beer podcast might have tried, um, but I haven't, and you have. Do you do you like it? Is, it? is it a beer that is maybe nostalgic for you? Do you still drink it today? Are you talking about Schiner Bach? Just I'm talking about one? Schiner Bock, Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'll drink it every once in a while. It's a very unique beer in that it's. Um, It's very drinkable, but it's also like it's got more body than your average
0: beer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you familiar with Bach's at all? Like what the style of a Bach is? I think it's a German style beer, but I don't know much beyond that. I'm sure you do. Uh, It is a
1: traditional German beer. It's a traditional German style called Bach. Uh, It dates back like way back to like medieval times. Mm -hmm. So this beer's style has been around forever. It was originally brewed in the town of Einbeck. Ah, uh, right around like mid fourteenth century. sweet. Uh, and it's been gone. It's gone around, and Bavarians have made it all different places. Uh, and it was actually a funny story due uh, there's some language differences between like North and South Germany. So the pronunciation uh, from of the beer from Einbeck was actually mispronounced by Bavarians to sound like, Ein Bach. Oh, okay. And that yeah. actually means billy goat in German. <laughs> and so if you look at Shiner Bach's branding, a lot of their stuff has like a goat on it. Um, okay, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's kind of a fun little bit of history. Uh, and the name stuck, yeah. It still adorns Shiner Bach labels, and a lot of Bachs have, uh, are associated. If um, I believe Einhorn, Ein, <laughs> there's another really famous Bach they actually have it on tap permanently oh. at the handlebar. Is it,
0: um, um, is it, Ein, are you thinking of Einstock by chance? No, that's from Iceland. Yeah. And okay. It's not a
1: Bach. Uh, Eisenbach possibly. Okay. Um, yeah. But anyways, it's, it's a really old style of beer. It's a bottom fermented lager. Uh, it's used with like roasted barley and it spends a little bit more time in cold storage traditionally mm. during the winter months. And it gives it a much stronger and intense, but also smooth flavors. So you get this really big dark lager. Yeah. So it's essentially like a brown lager, and it's really good. It's usually stronger than a typical lager, v- traditionally very amber in color. You're gonna get a ton of malt flavors, little hoppiness, and it's usually right in the range of like six to seven percent. Okay. Um, yeah, and there's there's different subsets. There's my box. Uh, which is paler with more hops, and there's Doppelbachs that are mm-hmm. heavier and T- darker. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, but the traditional Bach is just a dark lager with, with a bit more malt presence and stuff like that. But uh, Sam Adams makes one that's pretty good. They make a winter lager, which is essentially a Bach stylistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you'll see it around. But Bock is for sure the most famous and probably the most delicious, if not one of, in America.
0: Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that I'd had maybe a more traditional one until you started describing it, but Sierra Nevada does a pale Bach, uh, I think it's part of their old Chico series. So I've had that Mm -hmm. a a few times. I don't remember ever loving it. Um, but, and I know that I think I've had a secret trail beer called, um, Ooh, I can't think of what it's called, but it, I think it was a, a doppelbach if I'm not mistaken. Um, Anyways, with regards to this beer that we're about to drink, I, like many people, I think, thought this was made by a brewery called Shiner, and so it would be like Shiner Bach or Shiner, in this case, Ruby Redbird. But like you said, this is a brewery out of Texas that was established in 1909 called Spetzel, uh, which, if you uh, don't have perfect phonetic hearing, is actually spelled S-P-O-E-T-Z-L which is a German word, which makes sense because this brewery was founded by German and Czech immigrants. And they had settled around Shiner, Texas in the early 1900s. They couldn't find any German beers, uh, obviously. So they decided they were just going to make their own. Uh, it's, I think easily the oldest independent brewery in Texas and possibly even in the United States. Um, especially as far as independent breweries go, it's owned by this, uh, family operated company called Gambrius. They have been Gambrinus. S- what did I say? Gambrius. Okay. Gambrinus. Um, and they've been selling this for a long time, and then they jumped into the game with Trumer uh, out of their Berkeley taproom. Um, if you didn't know, there's also a bigger sister brewery in uh, Austria called Trumer Bre- Brewery, basically. Um, mm. So a lot of history here. That said, uh, this brewery was originally named the Shiner Brewing Association, the SBA. And they renamed okay. it Spetzel, um, which is not to be confused, if we're gonna go a little deeper into Germany here, with the German dish Spetzler, which is a an egg noodle-type dish, but they renamed this brewery Spetzel in honor of their first brewmaster, Cosmos Spetzel. And since then, they've kept the name uh, Shiner as a prefix in almost all of their beers. Nice. Which I think and clears a very, up a lot of confusion for me.
1: Yeah, it's a real recognizable label name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's really good for branding, definitely. Y-
0: yeah, so you had mentioned that this is one of your favorite summertime beers. I've never had it um, before what I'm about to try, but... Um, jumping back to the Shiner, uh, Ruby Redbird, um, mm-hmm. you've had it now. Is it as good as you remember it? Yes. Walk me
1: through it. One hundred percent. So you're going to get, uh, this is essentially a very light lager with a bunch of ripe Texas Ruby Red grapefruit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's essentially got a, a pinch of ginger in it too. Uh, and you're going to get a little bit of citrus tartness and a ton of refreshment in this beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super smooth front to back. It's absolutely crushable. Uh, It might be one of the perfect summertime beers.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's branded too as one. I mean, the the label itself looks very old timey, um, but in big bold letters and numbers says 95 calories. So it is kind of branding as like a really low carb, low calorie sort of guilt-free beer. And at 4%, it is relatively guilt-free on most fronts. But you Mm -hmm. you mentioned a pinch of ginger. And I, I feel like ginger is almost at the forefront even before the grapefruit which Mm -hmm. I love, but I can see how that might be a turnoff for some people. Uh, Do you like ginger in general, like, like spicy ginger beverages? I do. Yeah, I do too, man. I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting this to be like right out of the can, almost like a pinkish sort of like a framboise color, but it's looking at it. You might just think it's a Pilsner or any type of lager. It's, it's fairly average looking color wise and with carbonation. And there's almost no head left on mine at this point, but Yeah, mine either. When you drink it, it's like, oh, this is way different than what my eyes told me to expect.
1: Right? Yeah. It comes alive in your mouth. It just, it's a sensational flavor palette explosion.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah,
1: it it awakens your
0: tongue. Yeah. I mean, it even awakened my nose. Like there's some real spiciness that you pick up and I I don't think my nose realizes that it's ginger until I taste it. And I'm like, oh yeah, that, that totally makes sense. But it's very, it's very sort of, um, I don't know floaty it's like it's very light drinking it it's super refreshing like you said um and like weirdly like weirdly savory kind of with that gingery spiciness like i'm attributing it to like i don't know like a heavier drink like a like a ginger beer almost like there's that much ginger that it's it's a weird kind of give and take that i'm i'm really really enjoying if i do say so
1: nice yeah i i'm with you yeah it's it's just like every year, I have it. I'm surprised by how much I like it because, like, you kind of forget you drink a lot of beers between summer and the sure. following summer, yeah. and then yeah, you I pick up this picked up a six pack, and it's just like you know I drank one during the bonus content because I'm like I'm just in the mood for this. We don't have mm-hmm. there's yeah. there's no White Claws in the house. I don't have any other like <laughs> sure. you know cheap like Crispy Boys. There's no lagers or pilsners in the house yeah. right now, so it's like. I just wanted one, and then I drank it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I want another one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah." Right. Um, Because you sometimes think of fruited beers as being too sweet, and for me, this strikes just a magnificent balance of being beer-flavored, but also having those grapefruit and ginger notes. It's not Mm -hmm. too much of either one or the other. I think they, they just fit together so well in this beer
0: yeah it's 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 almost like the ginger fills out if, if you can imagine sort of like a, a top and a bottom the bottom being heavy and the top being kind of light and airy like like the ginger sort of holds it down and then the grapefruit zest kind of just like lifts everything right up and it's it's very yeah it's like it's a really good marriage of these two flavors I think
1: yeah totally yeah I'm massively impressed every time every time I have this beer and again it just it nailed it I haven't had it since last summer mm-hmm. and I plan on buying a lot more of it this summer
0: you got any uh, any downsides to this? I mean, not it's not
1: as good when it's not real cold. Sure. I think if this warms up at all, it, it it loses a little bit. It's best, you know, real cold. I would say drink this colder than I would normally recommend drinking craft beer. Gotcha. You want this to be in like the thirty-five to thirty-eight degree range, in my opinion.
0: I mean, what are you getting? Like, is your are you saying that because yours is kind of warming up?
1: yeah no you just get more grapefruit and it it, mm-hmm. it could it could be perceived as somewhat medicinal but, oh sure um, yeah not in a way that's super negative to me but i'm just saying if you didn't like that flavor as much it definitely becomes more prevalent when it warms up a little bit but i personally enjoy it but if you do not then i would say
0: just pound this while they're cold okay fair yeah, yeah. It was pretty good, pretty good solution. I think, Mm -hmm. um, my only thing is that I'm getting like a weird, almost like oxidized, almost like coppery sort of aftertaste, which is probably indicative of the style and is just rubbing me the wrong way because of personal taste issues. But, um, I think it's really well made. It's a, like I said, a pretty good flavor combination. Um, super crushable. It's again, like 90, not again, we haven't said this, but it's like 95 degrees out today and Mm -hmm. we're in the beginnings of June. So it's just going to get hotter here in Northern California. But, um, I think especially, I assume this is a pretty good price cause you bought it in a six pack. And I think it's a really nice beer to have on hand for the weather approaching. And just in general, if you like beer. Mm-hmm. Also, I think like I'm going to, I'm going to give a bonus points for sort of being a nice bridge between people that only drink like the people that are like, I only drink Budweiser or Coors letter or something to be able to be like here we'll just try this see see what this does for your mouth if you can be open-minded i think this is a really nice sort of uh gateway beer into into a more um crafty summertime experience totally and i think
1: that in fact shiner does that in a lot of ways with their flagship the shiner bach in Mm. texas Gotcha. Um because it's like, you know, it's a big, huge beer in Texas and they're known yeah. for liking Lone Star. Right. Which is, you know, yeah just water. Yeah. Uh well, I like Lone Star. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's but, fine. Yeah. But it's
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I think with all definite. with all respect, it's like a shitty lager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's just is a low
1: brow. It's yeah. a lowbrow, affordable economy beer, but no, this beer, like you said, it definitely would be a good gateway. This is a great beer for someone who doesn't think they like craft beer but likes yep. white claw.
0: Yeah, sure. You think white claw? Like, uh, I just think I'm like grapefruit white claw. It's nice and light. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, when if I would, I would wager, I've had enough grapefruit white claws in my day. If you put this next to that, you you wouldn't pick up the grapefruit in this at all. Like because it's it's not subtle compared to this beer. A grapefruit white claw is not subtle compared to Ruby Redbird. Um, but I think, I think there's a lot to be said for the, yeah, kind of the nuance of this beer, especially with the interplay between the grapefruit and the ginger. Yeah. Hell yeah. I yeah, think that's they, where they it's get, at.
1: They get together and play some tackle football in my mouth and it makes me real happy.
0: Do you know off the top of your head who makes the grapefruit Radler? Oh, Boulevard. Is that right? I'm 99% sure. Mm, no, I'm the one that I'm thinking of is uh, the reason I thought it was, uh, the same Shiner is because it's by Stiegel Which okay. <laughs> can you pull it up on your notes or on your computer? Oh, Do you yeah. see Stiegel on there? Uh huh. Like so, just structurally similar to the Shiner thing. Yeah. Um. And and I think I like that beer a lot less because it's just so one note. You know, it's just like here you go. Here's a like a sparkly grapefruit drink. Right. Um. And yeah, I think the the real art of this beer is the balance between the two ginger and grapefruit.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. I agree. I will be reaching for this all summer long. This and, uh, is it Boulevard that does uh, the one that I like? Yes. Is it Jam City? It's
0: Jam Band. Is it Jam jam Band? Yeah, you love that Yeah, that's that's Boulevard, I think. I'll double check, but. Um, Um, Yeah. Go ahead. Nope. uh, Nope, I had to burp. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, go ahead ahead and burp. Okay, I went. Um, (laughs) Okay, I'm going to jump in then. Um, I, I wanted to say like one more thing that does jump out at me. Cause I, I feel like if I don't say this, you will be caught off guard by my eventual rating. And it's just that this isn't the most memorable beer. I think that it is very approachable and sort of unoffensive. And if you're looking for some of that beauty in the nuance, you'll find it, but just straight out the gate, just drinking a beer. This is not something that necessarily would have caught my attention. Does yeah. that make sense? I suppose. Okay. I mean, it really just depends on what you're looking for. That's true.
1: Yeah. You know, if you're looking for a light, crisp lager, maybe with a fruit adjunct that you can take swimming or wor- you drink while you're working in the yard or just sweating in Chico, you know, it this would be something that would I would think would catch your eye. Now that you've had it, especially.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I would. Now that I've had it, I would certainly go back for it again if I saw it. But I'm 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 thinking my kind of go-to summer beer. Is like or at least one of them, no is like um oh what's a good example? Maybe the what's the goza from um dogfish head? Sequench, sequench, yep. Like that's got the right balance of punch, nuance, and drinkability that I really like. And and this is just a little bit lacking for me personally in the in the punch category, I guess. Mm. But I still really like it. Yeah, I think, and for me, just
1: so true to that, sub- beer is so subjective. Like, mm-hmm. I like Sequench, but I couldn't drink more than one. It's just really? a little too tar- tart and tangy yeah. for me. Yeah, Like, I'll get heartburn. Like, I, I've already yep. drank two of these, and I want a third, but I gave it to my wife because she was eating sushi. Yeah, right. Like,
0: this would go great with sushi.
1: Yeah, um, it probably
0: would. That's true. I don't like yeah. sushi, but, yeah.
1: Just that ginger, fresh, yeah. Yep, yep yeah but yeah so for me someone prone to like heartburn this is just the perfect amount of tartness mixed with with that but
0: well let me let's give it an out of 10 if you're if you're ready to go that route yeah for sure uh for me this is an 8.9 yeah that sounds i I was gonna guess you were gonna say nine but that's pretty good Mm -hmm. uh we're both working on the notes sorry i beat you to your own rating Oh, you <laughs> but that is to say that you already know my rating, which is an eight. I think it's a super solid beer. It, I would drink it all the time. It doesn't jump into the upper echelon of nines and nines and beyond. I guess that's just nines. So
1: yeah, it's good. And, yeah, hell yeah, man. This is if you're looking to just and the kicker,
0: ten bucks six pack. I, which is my next question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's super. Yeah, super doable. Um, yeah. I, I guess the only pushback there is that like you aren't really gonna be able to shell out for like. Getting your buzz on with this one. Which I don't is, know if which you is drink fine. all six. I don't know. You no, know, you and I could both easily drink all six of these, and our only issue would be finding room in our stomach to drink more. We would not I, I, I would say we'd be okay.
1: Yeah. Oh it's, yeah, because I can drink ten white claws.
0: Yeah. I mean and this, those are
1: five percent. Yeah,
0: this is a coin toss above a Utah beer, which is to say not alcoholic almost at all.
1: Right. What
0: is this? Four? Four four yeah i mean it's that's like coors light realm coors light is actually uh four point four. Oh, i'm gonna double check i think it's like four, six
1: or three f- yeah
0: no it's on i think it's above 4.5 uh i'll find out for you though um let's see we have the technology oh, yeah uh let's see coors light alcohol content is oh it's 4.2 well played god what that's nothing i don't know
1: why right. Light. Are need cal- you need to calm down with this talk we're starting to sound like drunks here bud <laughs>
0: This i need my beer, beer. to be nine percent or i quit this four percent beer is bullshit i guess i mean give me a that, barrel Stout a normal, right now that's normal beer isn't it i guess four, yeah four, man it, wow, four it is weird. our
1: standards are just all kinds of wonky
0: <laughs> i guess we so, got problem we got problems dude. Yeah, we got I'm, problems. problem i'm fine with it me too um okay well let's move right along once again, that's Shiner Ruby Redbird from the Spetzel Brewery out of Shiner, Texas. It's an 8.9 for Johnny Summers. It's an 8 for me. And we're going to move right into Flick Picks and a film that Johnny watched this week called The Lovebirds. Johnny, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So The Lovebirds is a 2020 action comedy crime romance type movie. Uh, Dropped on Netflix on the 22nd of May, so it's pretty much brand new. Mm -hmm. Uh, It stars Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. Love him. And it is a really fun time, man, directed by Michael Showalter. I don't know what else he's done, but you can click his name if you want. Sure. Um, So I'm going to read what IMDb says, and then I'll just extrapolate a little bit more and let you know what I thought. So, a couple, Issa and Kumail Nanjiani, experience a defining moment in their relationship when they are unintentionally embroiled in a murder mystery. Oh. Um, so, this movie is not entirely original in a lot of ways. It borrows from certain films like Date Night with Steve Carell mm-hmm. and Tina Fey. Uh, it borrows from a lot of formulaic... Comedies uh, of a romantic Nature where like The couple is on the verge of breaking up Then something crazy happens and it draws them Closer together Um, But I put this on Because I needed a reprieve from The chaos that is The world and a fun love story Between two people of color Sounded like just the right medicine For Mm -hmm. a night of just Enjoying a couple beers and I know I love Kumail I think he's hilarious and I'm somewhat familiar with Issa Rae. I don't know off the top. I know I've seen her before. I just I like she's a familiar face, and I know she's funny. I just can't place her specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, going in, my expectations were simply just to be entertained and maybe giggle a little, and um, not really get hung up on this as a film. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think for yeah. for me, sometimes I get hung up. Like, I don't want to watch that movie. I know it's going to be stupid. Like, but sometimes. Stupid movies are appropriate, like when, when you need it, and uh, I needed it, and it really hit the spot, man. It was like, um, it was like eating In and Out when you've been on an Uh, all salad diet, and it's just like, oh, it's just yeah, it's comfort food. It's it's comfort food, and this movie. I mean, they were an adorable couple. I loved the banter between them, the writing in this movie, and the two main characters and their acting. Was um, really what carried this movie, and uh, them as just you know a couple four years in on the verge of of not being together anymore, mm-hmm. uh, and just their banter and their they're talking shit to each other, and just mm-hmm. it was so real, and uh, I mean not real in a lot of ways because they're going through some ridiculous circumstances, but yeah. just. Just the ridiculous things that happened to them and their interactions with each other were were really funny. And it kept me engaged. And it, it's not to be taken seriously, but it is to be definitely entertained by. Uh, I watched it with my wife, and we both got a real kick out of it. Um, and I'd say if you're in the mood for something lighthearted and fun and kind of a more feel-good, silly goose time, this is a perfect movie for this week in particular when, yeah. you know. If you're watching the news and all that, like you, you might need a, a little bit of a break. So yeah, fair. I would highly recommend it, especially being a Netflix original. This is something that easily could have gone to theaters. Uh, so yeah, I dug it, man. I would say definitely check it out. I'd watch it. I'd recommend it. It's a thumbs up for me.
0: Okay, sweet. So then, just a, a couple of follow-ups. Issa Rae, who you is the, is the female lead in this is in a film that we almost covered on this show called The Photograph, which came out uh, earlier this year. She was also in the Oscar-nominated short film Hair Love. She was voicing the mother in that. She was in a film called Little. She was in The Hate You Give, which came out in 2018. And she started, I think, started kind of coming on the scene in television in 2011 in a show called The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl, which has been, I think, on my radar, but I never actually gotten a chance to see it. She was also in BoJack Horseman briefly. Um... So, yeah, she's she's sporadically around. Seems like um, just mostly side characters in a lot of the stuff. So it makes sense that she'd be like a a face that you recognize but maybe couldn't quite place.
1: Yeah, I think I've watched a couple episodes of a black lady sketch show. Yeah. Was she in Orange is the New Black? I know she was in Orange is the New Black and Sexy. I don't
0: know. I never uh, never actually watched that show.
1: Okay, I'll have to look that up. And it's not popping up, so probably not.
0: Um, but yeah, she's yeah.
1: she's really good. I liked her in this quite a bit.
0: Nice. You mentioned liking Camille uh, Nanjiani, and I, I was looking up why I thought I knew the name of Michael Showalter, who was the director of The Lovebirds. He also directed The Big Sick, which was another Camille Nanjiani movie. Uh, actually which was so, so good. good. Yeah, so he directed that. I also wanted to just throw a little um, weird personal flex on this. I a couple weeks ago when this movie came out, one of my friends who plays music and went on, we went on tour together for my own, for my album release, uh, about a year and a half ago, we played, uh, a show, uh, just outside of new Orleans and spent a couple days there. And we went to a bar called the dragon's den, which is a bar in new Orleans. And apparently it shows up in this movie. Cause he texted me. He's like, Hey man, I'm watching this movie, lovebirds. And like, I'm pretty sure <laughs> the bar that they are at right now is a place that we hung out what that's cool which is yeah which is awesome but like we were there on like a wednesday and it was just dead like there was a duo playing on the stage and i guess in the movie it's pretty uh pretty hopping mm. um i can have, haven't seen the movie but it's like a it's a red building and it. i don't know i'm not gonna try to describe it to you Be like, yeah that's exactly what it was i'm pretty sure it's in the movie so that's pretty cool though i wanted to mention that because yeah it feels cool yeah that is cool um okay well the lovebirds man on on netflix out of 10 what are you what are you gonna roll with
1: Ooh, out of ten, it's like a it's like a solid seven 2 for what it is. Fair. It was really cute and lovable, and I I I really think it's it's a solid movie to be entertained by.
0: That's uh, yeah. I mean, every now and again, why not just watch something to make some popcorn and zone out and watch it? Well, and honestly,
1: for I know I don't know about you, but for mm-hmm. me, we watch movies critically all the time. I find myself kind of being like a movie dick sometimes, where I'm like watching a stupid a uh, movie <laughs> that's just and i'm like i need to pay attention mm-hmm. and it's like dude bro like j- just ease up off your you're needing to like critically analyze everything sometimes it's okay to just watch a movie to be entertained and like you know maybe be on your phone for half of it but yeah. still follow along and laugh like it doesn't all have to be a critique
0: yeah i think you're a better man than me i mean like i have those moments too but instead of being like um <laughs> like I'm going to watch this movie and like maybe don't watch it critically. I watch it critically and I'm like this doesn't even deserve my attention. This horrible waste of a movie. <laughs> like, I don't know. I haven't necessarily found um the happy medium and I can prove that because I tried to watch and hopefully you'll give me a pat on the back for this one day. I tried to watch Angel Has Fallen. The <laughs> uh, apparently at this point like long-standing film franchise that we didn't know was a franchise and I saw it show up on Netflix and I was like full disclosure, uh, today's, uh, what is today? Tuesday. Yeah. So this must've been like, I don't know, Thursday of last week. I was, I got like, I was drinking. It was one of those nights. I was like, I'm just going to sit on the couch and watch stuff. And I was fairly drunk, not like no danger slurring words, nothing like that fully in it. And I put on this movie thinking, you know what? Angel Has Fallen will be perfect mindless entertainment. And even my drunk brain was like, I can't get through it. It's so horrible (laughs) that I can't watch it. And I tried three (laughs) times since then to finish it and I couldn't do it. I was hoping that by this episode, I could tell you, I could give you kind of a brief review of Angel Has Fallen and I cannot. Mm. It's so bad. Um, but that leads me to uh, one of my pic- flick picks for this week, which is Hunt for the Wilder People by Taika Waititi, which is a film that you recommended I watch last week after you had watched it. I did. Uh, we've both been on a very, I mean, we've both been on team Taika Waititi since we discovered him, I think. D- yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And so I watched this. It's a its a film that I think, was it on Netflix or was it on, I think it was on Hulu. Uh, it was on Hulu, yeah. Yeah, well, it's a story of this of this kid who is an orphan who gets um, pushed through the system and ends up with his family. Um, and I actually don't want to say too much about the plot because I do think a lot of it is uh, nice to go in blind for. But there's a yeah, charming that's cast. Mu-
1: that's pretty much exactly where I left it last week when it was my <laughs> flip right? pick. Like it was like that's that's all I'm going to say.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But Sam Neill's in it. Um, Julian Dennison plays Ricky, the main the main kid who you. I was like for probably 20 minutes, like where do I know this kid from? And he was in, I think, Deadpool uh, one or two, uh, Deadpool two, and he's just like this punk, like gangster kid that just loves his style and is like super confident and is incredibly funny, mm-hmm. and like when armed with a Taika Waititi screenplay is just really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up landing on like a seven out of ten with this. I, I wrote in my letterbox review that it's a charming little Taika Waititi film with some major pacing problems, uh, but I was willing to forgive them. Because, again, it's a charming little Taika Waititi film. Like, you, if you're on board with Taika Waititi's humor and storytelling, then it's, it's gold. And mm-hmm. that's, that's my idea of kind of like a mindless, enjoyable movie. And I was here for it. Nice. Yeah. On the opposite end of that spectrum, I do have one other flick pick I wanted to touch on, which is Stanley Kubrick's last film, Eyes Wide Shut. Okay. Uh, have you seen it? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I never had. It's Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Um, I'm not going to give anything away. I don't know why people haven't seen it, but I hadn't seen it. So if you're like me, uh, not spoiling it for you. But it's a very intense movie with themes of like male insecurity and misogyny and and kind of the patriarchy in general. And it's all wrapped up in this weird kind of fever dream, hypersexual, weird New York underbelly shit. It's really, really intense and definitely worth a watch. I really, really liked it. I thought it was really well made. Obviously, it's uh, Kubrick, um, but it was just one of those movies on my list that was on the list for so long. And it's one of those movies that people kind of do a double take towards you if you admit that you haven't seen it. Right. Yeah. And it's definitely yeah. yeah it's definitely worth checking out if you haven't.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's kind of a classic now. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Nice. So I was. It, it's also like two, two, and maybe two and a half hours long maybe a little bit longer so it's it's an endeavor but Mm -hmm. like check it out it's it's disturbing in a lot of really cool ways i think yep absolutely that was my flick pick both of them yes
1: there was it's funny there was i was actually gonna mention i didn't even realize that was one of your flick picks Mm -hmm. i was gonna bring up eyes wide shut because there was like an eyes wide shut scene in uh the lovebirds wait what do you mean uh like there was a an orgy scene
0: <laughs> you wait to be clear do you just attribute every orgy to that movie
1: uh cinematog- <laughs> cinematically yeah because well and okay. it, well, it was a direct homage because like okay. it was cult cult-like setting everyone was wearing masks yeah. it was yeah so it was definitely a shout out that's to, awesome to eyes wide shut yeah it was pretty funny
0: really that's yeah that, okay so I, I jumping back to your film The Lovebirds real quick, like should I should I watch it or should I just kind of like keep checking movies off my list that are already on there?
1: Um, it depends on what mood you're in. Like I said, if you're in the mood for some some just silly popcorn fun, I'd watch it. Plus, I like Kamel a mm-hmm. lot. yep. um, so just honestly, just to to check out what he's in. I like his style of comedy. He, his dry wit and sarcasm really lands with me. Yeah, um, and just like this sh- ridiculous observational humor while they're going through these hilarious mm-hmm. situations, I think that the writing in this movie alone is is worth it, just for some of the comedy.
0: Okay, that's that's fair. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yes, yeah, I will literally watch, put it on my
1: list. I will put it watch on right it now. if you don't. If watch it if you want to laugh and you don't hate fun.
0: Oh well, that describes me pretty pretty well actually.
1: Yeah, Uh, to a Max
0: Menardee. All right, I'll take it. That's pretty good, pretty good pun. (laughs) I do feel like that my flick picks are turning into like, watch what Johnny watched last week, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine, you know, who cares? So next week, your flick pick will be The Lovebirds. Yeah, probably. Um, That said, if you have watched The Lovebirds or Hunt for the Wilder People or Eyes Wide Shut, um, or you just want to keep up with us for all the other movies that we've watched, I, I took a deep dive into Film Noir this week find us on letterbox. Like Johnny said, he's at Johnny summers. I am at max Bernardi. We are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the very new somehow. I'm glad we caught this, uh, Amazon original, the vast of night. We're not going to spoil it. If you haven't seen it yet, don't worry about it. And we'll be right back. Guys, there's been a lot of German language on this show today, certainly a lot more than usual, but if all that's gotten you hungry and you want to know a place here in Chico, California, where you can get both the german dish spätzle and a beer from a company that owns Spetzel brewing you're going to want to go down to the handlebar south end of town johnny tell me a little bit about them handlebar is located at 2070 east 20th street
1: right here in chico california near tong fong lo and winco that's right. They're right across the street from Best Buy, and you can get in there and get their delicious food and their great happy hour deals every single day from 2 to 6. There's great deals on beer, liquor, and wine. So, I mean, it's really an unbeatable place. It's got everything you could possibly need. There's a fantastic
0: patio. Uh, you really have no reason not to be there. Go support a local business. The Handlebar Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. Number, please.
1: This is WOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and this is the news for the hour. Now, what would you like to tell us about yourself? I don't know. Well, aren't you like some big science girl? Tell me about science. Everett, it's Fay. And
0: the sound came through the board and interrupted your radio show. What's like. What's going on, Everett?
1: 718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight.
0: Yes, I have a story that might be helpful.
1: I can tell you
0: what's going on. The sound we heard out in the desert. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything could fly.
1: They've come here before. They've liked this place.
0: They always have.
1: 5 p.m. and we may have Did something that We
0: it Canyon. Hey! Who's that? It's Everett. Stop smiling.
1: What's he doing here? He's helping me. Stop smiling. Get in! It's out of town! Come on, come on, come on! Hey,
0: come on! Something's up there now. It's something talking, and they don't stay for long. Hey! There's something in the sky. That was a trailer for The Vast of Night, a film, nay, a directorial debut of a film by Andrew Patterson. It was produced by himself, Melissa Kirkendall, Adam Dietrich, written by James Montague and Craig W. Sanger. It stars Sierra McCormick and Jake Horowitz. We'll get into some of the other specifics in a little bit here, but it was streamable uh, as of May 29th on Amazon Prime Video. You can also just rent it if you don't have Prime. It runs 89 minutes long, so just under an hour and a half. Johnny Summers, would you please read me uh, the synopsis that the internet felt was good enough to describe this film?
1: Switchboard operator Faye and radio DJ Everett are two teenagers in a small town, 1950s Cayuga, New Mexico, investigating a strange sound coming through the radio and switchboard while almost everyone else is at the high school basketball game. After she hears the noise, interrupt her friend Everett's radio broadcast because... Of the game at <laughs> W... Oh, my
0: God. I'm going to read that whole sentence I over, actually, starting just over. To give you some credit, I actually thought the exact same thing on your first puzzle. I was like, what is this sentence trying to say? It's the line after that makes she, it very confusing.
1: Yeah. After she hears the noise interrupt her friend Everett's radio broadcast of the game at WOTW, they set out to investigate.
0: Oh, that was a lot better. That was great. Yeah, this film currently holds a 91% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes with an average rating of 7.84 out of 10 Not bad, not amazing, which is kind of where I'm going to probably end up landing on this film. Johnny, I don't know anything about how you felt about this. Um, What were your initial impressions of The Vast of Night?
1: Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a little slice of, um, I don't know if noir is the right word, but a very uh, nostalgic throwback vibe. Uh, It really encapsulated a lot of the feelings of watching the old Twilight Zone episodes Mm -hmm. uh, in a big way. It was obviously... Directly inspired by that, and uh, the influence bled through, but in in a very nice way. It had a very simple, just punctuated storyline, like uh like a Twilight Zone episode. It really it did play like late fifties, early sixties science fiction, which mm. I am a huge fan of, and I think it really nailed that vibe. And I I, I really did enjoy watching this movie. I thought that they. The writing was good. There was some really snappy dialogue. Everett's a very slick talking individual mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. just has kind of just a word for everything, and he's always slinging and slanging and him and hawing and hoo-ha-ha. yeah, a very slick young man. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I liked his character, and I liked I liked some of the story arcs in this. It wasn't a very complicated movie. It was fairly straightforward, and it took place over this whole film probably took place over a matter just, of three hours. Yeah, uh, which was an you know interesting, but. Yeah, it was a very, very nice throwback to some nostalgic science fiction suspense horror. So I I liked it. What what did you think? What are your impressions?
0: Yeah, I think I mean it's interesting. You mentioned Noir, and certainly Everett is is a character drawn straight out of the film noir or, or even neo-noir. Like I wrote in my letterbox review that this has a obviously a lot of a lot of inspirations drawn from the Twilight Zone, which is clear from like the opening shot of the movie, which is sort of the slow pan in to a sixties or fifties television. And it's like, all right, well we're in this story like a twilight zone. So all of the sci-fi stuff makes sense. But what really caught my attention was the, I don't know what it owed to a movie like brick, um, which is Ryan Johnson sort of two, I think it was 2008. It came out or 2003. I think it's 2003. Um, it's a neo-noir that takes place in a high school. So you have this like, Weird 16 year old that's talking like a 1950s detective. And it's this really weird juxtaposition of these two things. And that's the exact same vibe I got from Everett in this movie. And at first, for me, it was like, all right, like the color grading here is pretty, I don't know, kitschy and sort of hipstery and a little bit overdone. But I think within like 20 minutes, I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll see where this goes. Because eventually, both of the leads kind of won me over and I was interested to see where it went. That said, um, it it did kind of catch me off guard that this movie becomes less sort of um, plot heavy and, and a traditional film in that sense and more of like an exploration of vibes or mood even. Like it's very steeped in its own sort of um, aesthetic, I guess, mm. which I could see being a turnoff for some people. Um, but I think knowing that going in would have really helped me sort of embrace it and enjoy it from the beginning rather than sort of enjoy it from halfway through.
1: Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. This, it does, it gets absorbed in its own style almost. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a, the way a lot of those old twilight zone episodes were. They're like, they had a vibe and they stuck with the vibe. You sure. Know?
0: Yeah. I, I really like, I want to come back to um, some of the more um, meat and potatoes kind of facts about this. The, the cinematographer is somebody named M. I Litton And I, I don't know that person, but I did want to point it out because I think the cinematography speaks a lot to the care that was taken in the making of this movie. There's some really wonderful still shots and really long takes that I I don't know. I feel like people have become aware quote unquote of long takes after 1917 this last year with Roger Deakins sort of really sort of like manufactured almost seamlessly long takes like the whole, the whole, if you haven't seen 1917, the whole kind of shtick of the movie in addition to the true story aspect is that it's all like one long take kind of. Um, And there's certainly inspiration gleaned from that in this movie. um, But it kind of just put long takes on people's radar. And and there is a lot of care in those shots taken in this movie. There's one particular scene. I think it's probably like three or four minutes long where you almost get this gliding shot through every aspect of this really low budget film. Like you get kind of the radio station and the high school and some fields and through the basketball court and it's all done pretty well, I think, uh, in a way that kind of draws you in, even if you're not aware that you're paying attention to a long shot, which I think is kind of mm. the point of a long shot sometimes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it just, this one in this, that long shot in this movie kind of just happened to you and you just get taken along with it. Sure. And it wasn't like, you know, the main focus of a lot of the filming, but it was a really fun shot.
0: Yeah. I also think, I mean, almost in direct contrast, um, to those long shots are these really long, steady shots. A lot of the characters have really good monologues that are just the cameras kind of set there and you might get a little bit of motion, but not much. There's a particular monologue with, I can't think of her name, the actress, but she plays an old uh, mother who's lost her son. I guess that's all I'll say for now, but the camera stays on her for like, I don't know. I mean, the whole monologue is probably four or five minutes, but at one point the camera's on her for two and a half, maybe three minutes. And it's just, I, there's a lot of patience here that I don't think you often get in modern sci-fi. There's a lot mm. of emphasis placed on sort of the, the I don't know, the freneticism of the moment and the shock and the scares. Like I was prepared for sort of a creepy jump scare kind of sci-fi movie. And this definitely isn't that. It was way more patient than I maybe was initially giving it credit for being. So I liked yeah. that it kind of kind of subverted my expectations in, in that way.
1: Yeah, it was definitely more of a thriller in that regard.
0: Yeah. It's just, it kind of lets you steep in it for, for a long time. And, and the ending kind of approached me I don't know. I was like, Oh, I guess the movie, like it's over. Um, which was also kind of cool. Like it didn't, I don't, yeah, maybe that's dangerous on stuff. I don't want to give away how it ends or anything. But, um, my last thing that I want to touch on before we, uh, before I put this away for spoiler stuff is like, what do you think of the soundtrack?
1: I really liked it. I was gonna mention that. The the soundtrack and the score. Yeah. Just they kind of worked. This the vibe was cool. And they didn't do that dumb thing that every science fiction's doing and just ripping off Stranger Things. Yeah. Which is dope. Like don't just put like an eighties synthesizer beat over like yeah. a fifties horror film. Yeah. You know? So that was good. I think it fit really well into this movie.
0: Yeah, it was done by Eric Alexander and Jared Bulmer, and yeah, I was thinking the same thing because, if I think at this point, Stranger Things is a few years old, it's kind of like the big drony low frequency synth verse, and then on top is like a diga 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 diga, like an arpeggiated hard kind mm-hmm. of saw wave sort of vibe. And this is, v- um, did you ever end up watching Columbus? It was a 2017 release, and I we spent some time talking about it on the show because I watched it as a flick pick, and it, the the time and energy spent in the soundtrack itself to create an atmosphere really became sort of a front and center character for that movie. And I think the same is true here. Like it really does sort of soak you in, in a, or maybe draw you in um, in a way that does feel really original, which is part of why I let go of my sort of um, uh, hesitations for the maybe more done parts of this movie that I saw at first, like kind of the, the ripping off of like kind of the noir character, especially in brick with Joseph Gordon Levitt's character and that and like the color grade it all felt very kitschy, and then it was like, well, there this movie does have something to say. Yeah. I enjoyed definitely. that a lot. Yeah, and I think the soundtrack was a, was a huge part of that. Yeah.
1: Really, it was. Yeah. It added to the vibe big time.
0: Um, that said, I mean, did you did you like like are you gonna watch this movie again? Do you think? Uh it might be a while, but mm. yeah, I'll probably watch it eventually. Well, if you're good to uh, give it a rating, I think I'm ready to go.
1: Yeah, for me, this falls right around. I would say like a seven point two. It felt like it was in. It definitely was in the sevens, but it didn't go mid to high sevens. It for me, it 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 was real good. Wasn't great. Definitely mm-hmm, entertaining. Mm-hmm. I liked a lot of the the color schemes. It was very nice to look at. Uh, especially we have you know 4K Ultra HD. It's just sure. really crisp, like mm-hmm. nice cinematography, and like all the old Twilight Zone movies look kind of or show mm. they look kind of look like garbage. So it's it's sure. it was nice to see something look a bit more crisp. Um, so yeah, definitely falls right into that for me, and uh, I'd recommend it. I think it's a good watch.
0: Yeah. Okay. That seems fair for me. It's a little bit, a little bit lower than that. It's, I mean, it's, it's above middle of the road for sure. It's going to be a six out of 10 for me. I think that it's a really interesting first watch. It's maybe when all said and done, it's not my cup of tea necessarily, but like we said, like really great cinematography, the score was awesome. I think the performances were pretty good. Um, but like some of the kitschiness of the, I keep saying kitschy this week. I don't know why. Um, you're, you're feeling kitschy, but so like, I, I don't know that the, um, the framing it as like a, an homage to a twilight zone episode by making it that kind of, there's a name for this too. They, they kind of give it its own name. Like this week on like, you know, do you remember what it's called by chance in the, in the film?
1: Oh, it's like, Oh, it's not paramour
0: pandemic. It's, it's you're close though. It's like, Penta, it's like, like pentatonic or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it's I wonder if I could find it. Um, let's see Uh, paradox theater. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know if the whole thing where they wrap it up as kind of this, clearly huge homage to twilight zone worked for me. Like the whole, the gimmick of that was, I, I don't know. It was fine. Um, and overall, like it wasn't that compelling narratively. So I have a hard time wanting to revisit a movie like this aside mm. from just again, it, like I'm glad it wasn't two and a half hours long. Um, it does make it a lot more digestible that it's just an hour and a half, but it it was, it was neat. And, I thought there were some good ideas. I'm certainly going to be on the lookout for more of Andrew Patterson's work in the future. But it's, yeah, it's a solid six out of 10 for me. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, That's where I'm at. I like it. Fair enough. Um, I respect it. I, I noticed as I we both took a pause there that I am once again parched for beer. So I think for now, if you're okay with it, we put the Vast of Night kind of to the side and we can revisit it with spoilers later if we want. But are you down for perhaps, my friend, another beer?
1: Let's do it. Okay. What are we drinking? So, this second beer is a brand new brewery to us, at least, called King Kong Brewing out of Sacramento, California. Their website is available. Uh, quite frankly, I wasn't very impressed with its okay. ease of exploration. So, it was impossible to find anything about any of their beers. Okay. So, yeah. That I'm going <laughs> to. Okay. Yeah. It was real disappointing. Like, oh, new brewery, cool. And, like, you know, every brewery in the world has a little tab. In yeah. like the top corner, you click on, and you click drop down menu. You click on beers. Sure. You read about their beers. Yeah, yeah, it's great because they're a brewery. Yeah. And breweries should have information about their beers. Yeah, this one just doesn't. So no, it doesn't. If, if somehow you're listening or you know someone that works at King Kong Brewing, will you do me a favor and tell them Johnny said to get their shit together because <laughs> their website <laughs> really pissed me off. I'm on I'm it. I'm to, on it right now, and I am trying to pimp your beer <laughs> on the radio and you give me nothing and yeah. the description that you asked for yeah oh maybe it's on the can no is there anything on the can max can well, you read anything about this beer I mean, on the can a, there's
0: a lot of real estate it's a big can it's a 19.2 um but i'm sorry my friend to disappoint you though i think it was a leading question no there is nothing on the can about this beer specifically cool so hey king kong brewing do better i love huh? it. You're, you're just coming out with it you're just let's do it
1: why not? Yeah. You're coming Gloves into a off. market where you know what? You know who else is real close to you? This little brewery called New Glory, and they're kicking all of the ass in the world right now. They're yeah. taking over California. For the love of God, do
0: better. <laughs> it's designing a website. Our website should not look better than yours. Well, we—I mean, ours is pretty good. Like I—I I, I don't think ours should be the bar. Nobody can. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's fair. Ours is pretty. You
1: are—you you are a
0: perfectionist.
1: <laughs> um. All that to say, Max Minardi is available. He's not employed right now. So if you need some website design consultation, (laughs) I'm going to send you his address. You can get with him, King Kong Brewing. Uh, Please hire him
0: to do your website because it needs help. Have you tried any of this yet? This beer, I I mean. Okay. Because I feel like maybe you're changing. I'm going to go ahead and guess that you don't love this beer just based on the way that you're kind of swinging right now.
1: No, I do. That's the problem. It's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. (laughs) And it upsets me when there's no information about a beer that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Not only that, there's no information about any beers. Like that makes me not want to buy any of your beers ever again.
0: I'm gonna t- I'm gonna look through their beer list right now and try to find the thing with the the lo- the longest description or maybe the most thought out one. And yeah, I think you're you're pretty much right. There's one which is the ultra light version of this beer, which I don't think we've even said the name of yet. But what what's this beer called, Johnny? So this beer is called El Campeón. El Campeón. El Campeón. Okay, It is a Prima lager,
1: sure.
0: 4.5%, and that's all we know. Okay, which is fine. So they also have a version called El Campion Ultralight Lager, which is uh,
1: 3.8%. Okay.
0: Uh, and they say on this website, Ultralight Lager, lower calories, lower carbs, drink like a champion, which at least is like, here's a little nugget of something for a blurb. If you host a podcast, you could say it. But we are not mm-hmm. drinking that beer. We are drinking the regular version of it. Um, and we're going, I guess going in blind, more or less. Yep. So that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't even opened mine yet. I'm gonna open mine now. But walk me through maybe the can art. So it is
1: a nineteen point two ounce can, which I like. It has a pretty sweet Day of the Dead, like yeah. gorilla skull on it, which like honestly their marketing is cool. Like the can label is is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm digging the can label. I love that it's out of Sacramento. The can says El Campion Premium Log Premium Lager 4.4. It says community, quality, creativity, be a champion. it says, Come hang with us at King Kong Brewing. Uh so eventually I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna tell them to their faces (laughs) what they need to do better. Um, while drinking and enjoying their beer. Cause I do think this beer is not bad at all.
0: Okay. Um
1: yeah, but I like the can. It's a like nice, you got like a three color scheme. You got black, white, and yellow, and it's all, there's some nice, it's a cool can. That's what grabbed me in the first place is like, my caught my eye.
0: Just like, sure. oh, that's a cool can. I'm like, what? Never heard of this brewery. They're in Sacramento. Get out of town. Right. To be fair, I mean, they're they're pretty on the north side of Sacramento. They're off Del Paso, which if if you drive the 99 ever is like the f- the farthest north, almost not even Sacramento exit you can take. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's important to this, but I do feel like it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's fair. It's it's a little not convenient. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, if you I mean it's more convenient if you live in Chico. That's pretty easy to get to.
1: Right? Yeah. To it's, deal with that town on traffic. it's on our side, that's for sure.
0: Um I don't know. It's it smells really good. I still haven't tasted it, but it smells like a pretty straightforward lager. There's nothing jumping out to me as good or bad, which a lot of times in a lager is a good bar for me I'm like yeah good i just want something basic and uh, approachable and consistent and drinkable so uh, off mm-hmm. to a good start i think um yeah do you have anything jumping out to you taste wise um so this is nice it's it's very very loggery
1: yep you're getting a ton of um like that malty breadiness coming through mm-hmm. it almost gives it like a, a, a dated layer of depth or flavor yeah it's got that it's very bready do you know what I'm talking about? Are you for tasting sure.
0: that? Yep, for sure. Yeah. I almost attribute that like specifically with a lager, you get kind of that that sort of heavy breadiness, like you're saying. But also, I think in a good scenario, like they're often very bright, almost even like like lemongrassy and, and and zesty and and um yeah, bright. Did I say bright or light? I mean both. So light and bright. Um, but it should be like a really solid base. That kind of floats away as you drink it, and I, I think this has that. So I'm stoked about that. Yeah, I think it's a really nice beer. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by this beer. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, yeah, man. I'm I mean, if it's a very specific aesthetic, not aesthetic, but um, maybe mindset that I would reach for this beer in. Fortunately, it's a summertime beer. This is a great episode for like just crushable, crispy beers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I wish. Yeah. I mean, I wish I knew more. Like, I want to know kind of the process behind this beer, but I guess that's just reaching or grasping for straws, maybe. But this is yeah, good, bro. I don't want that's to hold just, that yeah. against it too much. Just oh, enough. The, really? I kind of think we should. <laughs> we can't hold that against this beer. We can hold it against the no. brewery all we want, but we can't judge the beer for that. It's not the beer's fault. No, 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 definitely not. But it's like yeah, getting mad at a kid for their parents, get mad at the parents. Hmm. Uh, that's, I mean, it does kind of leave us in a weird position where we don't have too much to talk about outside of, Right. I like it and it's clean and it's crisp and it's good.
1: All right. Well, this is a, a time since they gave us a whole lot of nothing, uh, that let's talk price point. I sure. want to, I want to factor that in cause we have nothing else to, to talk about. I accept <laughs> as far as the beer, So this 19.2 is $3.
0: Yeah. Would you already say ABV? Uh, 4.4, but yeah. yes, I did. Yeah. So it's a $3 19 ounce can, which if we take our prior knowledge of a Coors Light, which is 4.2% in a 12 ounce can or bottle most of the time, I actually think this is better both uh dollar and bang
1: yeah, per ounce. Right?
0: And I think this is on par with something in terms of like Coors Light drinkers, you could give them one of these and be like, yeah, enjoy this instead. Mm-hmm. Which I think this time of year, it's the time to evangelize. It's the time to get people to maybe drink stuff that has a little bit more care taken into it. Doesn't squash independent breweries, and I think this is a really good way to go.
1: Me too. Yeah, like I would buy this over a can of of Coors Light. Maybe not PBR, but Coors Light for sure.
0: Well, I would take this over PBR, but I mean it's a different yeah? beer. It's not. It's not exactly the same. This tastes more like a Pilsner to me than a. What if? What even is Coors Light? Just like American lager. Yeah, it's a, it's just a lager. This has a lot more of a malt presence than a Coors Light or a PBR does. A lot more of that flavor coming through. Which I, I did, but I, I don't think it's quite as um, maybe um, I don't know. Uh, man, I think there's a few words that I could pick, but I can't think of any of them. Um, I don't know, like pl- plain, um, unobtrusive, maybe like it's not quite as forgiving perhaps there's a, there's a little bit more character in this beer than there would be in like a PBR. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I could see that. And as a result, if you're used to drinking Coors lights or PBRs or what have you, this might be a little bit aggressive. Mm hmm. Definitely. But I still think it's better. Me too. Obviously. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely better. Big time. Okay. So all things considered you, we don't know much about it there. I mean, it's also worth noting it. It's got 72 unique ratings on untapped, which is not very much. So I get the vibe. They're sort of an up and coming or at the very least new brewery. And I, so I, I don't know. I'm going to be more forgiving of the lack of information. I think that if we had prepped a little bit better, maybe reached out, I think we would have gotten something back.
1: Yeah, possibly. But also they should give us more to work with. I'm I just gonna, I agree. I'm going to stick
0: with that. Like, right. Hey guys, just do better. Just do a little bit better. Okay. Well, let's, let's rate it out of 10 regardless.
1: Yeah, out of 10, this, for me, because hmm. price point plays a factor. Sure. Like it's, well, it's no,
0: no, it does not. It cannot. I, I know that we talked about it beforehand, but you can't factor that into your score. We've ruled that fair. out as fair.
1: You're calling me on my own shit, and I appreciate it. Yeah, that. I am. Okay, so just based on the little knowledge we have, uh, we don't really need a lot of knowledge. But mostly, longer.
0: yeah, mostly based on you drinking this beer.
1: Yeah, um, this, this beer, how does it make me feel? It sure. makes me happy. Yeah, It makes me think I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to have a good time. This would be a fantastic beer to pick up like three or four of and yep. take to like a backyard barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that it's local, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's a huge plus for me and that it's not only local but very crisp, very crushable, very much in the lane of like I don't want a heavy beer, but I want something... That tastes good. That's not you know. It's not an IPA. It's gonna, mm-hmm. it's gonna do scratch scratch a certain itch. So, I don't know, man. I think, I think I'm landing in like a
0: like a seven, seven five on this beer. Seven and a half. Pretty good rating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think all that is true. I would, I I'm tossing out the fact that they are local because I think that also shouldn't affect it. But, I'm I'm getting like more kind of flavors. I I only poured. I'm looking at my glass. I'm, I'm drinking it out of one of those Lagunitas sort of uh, what do you call these things? Mason jar glasses with kind of the. Screw I'm tops. drinking out of one of those too. Nice. So I only That's poured plenty. maybe maybe four ounces, and I'm down to about one and a half. So it's kind of warmed up over the past couple minutes, and I'm almost getting like more of like sort of a, a floral slash peppery kind of flavor, which I'm super into. Okay. So I think this is certainly more dimensional than I thought at first when it was ice cold, and I'm going to give it a solid eight. It's super drinkable. I think this is up there with the best just summertime loggers that I've had in in a while. I'm into it. I like it. So seven and a half for you, eight for me. Yeah. El Campeon from King Kong Brewing out of Sacramento. Uh, You cool with moving right along? Let's move right along. Okay. We're into Hot and Bothered where we talk about what's got us hot and or bothered slash excited or upset this week. And Johnny, it seems to me that for somehow for the third or fourth week in a row, are you going to talk about Mad Men again? (laughs) You're damn you right. You can't just keep talking
1: about Mad Men. Oh, I can, because it's done, okay? Okay. It's over.
0: All right, just in case somebody's missed the last couple episodes, start from the top briefly.
1: Yep. Okay, so I fell in love with this show called Mad Men. Absolutely adored it. Uh, and I, I'm i going to hold true that uh the first... Six and a half seasons are tremendously damn near perfect. Okay. Um, but here's the problem. The whole last season. Oh, it's in just, your bothered. Just gutter oh, garbage. Man. Absolutely not good at all. They took all these characters that they've built. They're established. We know how they are, what they do. How they be, dog. Mm -hmm. We know how they be. Mm -hmm. And then in like the last two episodes, they're like, nah, this ain't how they be. We're going to make them do completely different things to wrap up all of their storylines with these cute little bows that are completely out of character and ruin the entire show. So for me, it's up there with like Dexter as one of just the most catastrophic season wrap ups. How about Game of Thrones? and game of thrones obviously Good that's Lord. one that like lost it's so fresh it's so fresh i've blocked out yeah. game of thrones yeah um just that last season leaves you just like what and it hurt more that's why i've blocked it out game of thrones was real traumatic because yep. i watched that for all those years has it
0: happened I okay? know, i know i watched it i feel like you're being happened? facetious with your crying but like I actually was just listening to a, a podcast today that was kind of recapping season eight and it like, it really just ripped open those wounds. Cause it's the same thing you're saying. It's not just that like, I didn't get what I wanted for my characters. It's that the writers got lazy and wanted to tie it up and finish it. And they were like, we're going to have people do whatever we want them to do. That goes against their character type that we've spent years investing in and just finish the show. Cause that's all we care to do. Yeah. So exactly. frustrating. Just kind of just wrap it up. This is good. He'll yeah. do this. And it's, you know, you've got
1: this character in Don Draper that's maybe one of the most iconic characters in television history. That's John and Hamm, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, iconic, dude. And it just ends so wrong. And I know it was a big deal when it happened. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch it then, but I watched it now and it hurt. It hurt me real bad. Max. Yeah.
0: Well, so this, I think, begs the question that is often associated with this type of ending. Which, if you kind of take it out of the context and apply it to a broader metaphor, is is it better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all?
1: Yes. I think the first uh. six and a half seasons are worth it. Okay. I think they could have just not done the seventh season or, I mean, obviously done it better. But Sure. Uh, I think the show is redeeming enough and well-written, and I think it was an interesting perspective i mean we talked about it a a lot the Mm -hmm, last couple mm -hmm, weeks actually mm -hmm. about how uh, it's kind of this character study of what life was like in that time period and uh, it it surprisingly took uh, a female perspective for quite a bit of it and what it was like to be a female and work in these male-dominated offices of the 60s and i think that was some interesting perspectives were shown on camera so I really liked it for that. And the, the characters were just unbelievably iconic and uh, definitely an important show in television history. But sure. it just went down in a burning pile of hot garbage.
0: If I were to go about watching the show, do you think that I should watch it all the way through? Or should I should I stop at some point? No, just to kind of should,
1: preserve the purity. If you did want to do that, you should just watch season one through five. Is that Are you saying that's what
0: I should do? Or that's only if I do want to stop? If you want to stop stop at season five well it sounds like it's caused you a lot of heartbreak and i i almost don't want to go through that if i don't have to again Game of Thrones don't want to do it again
1: exactly but like season one through five were great and if you just stopped there and be like okay these people just lived and worked in offices the rest of their lives and who knows maybe i will do that that sounds like that sounds like what i would probably do at this point yeah and i mean you can just watch the first season and decide if that's something you want to continue with but I really like the character development and the writing and whatnot, so I think it's it's worth a watch. But it's also, if you see it through to the end, you're gonna have your heart stomped on a little bit.
0: That's that's fair. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of the times the motivation for that kind of decision is is money, um, and and sometimes people are like, we got to wrap it up. And I, I don't know. I, I've been out of work for a long time, but m- maybe you can speak to the idea of of making money after a long time of not making money.
1: Yeah, but I don't know if the show ever didn't make money.
0: I'm wondering I'm wondering Johnny if if you've made money recently. I have made money. Okay. That's what I was going for. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Oh my goodness. I thought we were still talking about the show. I was just I'm trying like, to very but, very smoothly kind of toss it to you. Yeah. So in my hot this week I finally got paid from unemployment for the month I was off work. Nice. Yeah, April. Oh yeah. Yeah, I finally got paid for April. So By the government or by your,
0: not your employer? uh, Why would they pay?
1: No, by the, by the government. Yeah. Yeah. I was on unemployment at the state of California and it has been an absolute nightmare. I am one of those people that you hear about, like having all these issues with unemployment and not being able to get paid and like, yeah, that was me. I was in that camp. That was real fun. And I was really lucky and blessed to have a wife with a great job and also to have set myself up in a position where I, I was, I could. Basically, not get paid for a month, and nothing bad really happened. Yeah, I got you. Um, I'm very fortunate to be in that position, and uh, yeah, because if it was between like me eating and getting or not and getting that money, like that would have been a big problem for me. Sure, yeah, and I know that is kind of the rub for a lot of people in this yep. country right now. Is like uh, I'm out of work. I don't have the choice to go back, and also unemployment supposed to be helping me pay my bills and feed my children mm-hmm. and they're not paying me either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a firm. I'm firmly believing that like this whole pandemic and the unemployment and whatnot is contributing in some way to all of the, the unrest that's happening right now in our society. Oh, I'm
0: sure. I was, what was I? I was listening to something. Um, it was a podcast. I can't think of which right now. I wish I could, but they were saying how, just in case anybody's listening in the future, it's, uh, it's June 2nd, 2020. The country is very inflamed about a lot of stuff, but namely recently, uh, the murder of George Floyd by police officers. There's a lot of protests going on. The point is, I was listening to a podcast that was making a pretty good case for the fact that since a lot of people aren't going about their daily routine and kind of being able to put the blinders up, they're just seeing this stuff all the time. Of course, it's more incendiary. Like People are going to get more mad than they would be if they were caught up in their grind. Makes yeah, total sense. Exactly. Yeah, like, I'm sure that's a part of it.
1: Yeah, well, and when you don't have any money in your bank account and also you see people that you you identify with, you're the same color as them getting murdered on television. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not a good no, thing. No, it's know? not I good. Mean, and that should make people angry anyway, but yeah. you couple that with the fact that, you know, if, like, just from, just from my own personal experience, if I was in a position where I was living paycheck to paycheck and I needed that money... I would have had a very serious problem on my hands and yep. I would have been very tempted to throw a brick through a window. Why not? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then yeah. you couple that with with what's going on and, and all of the systematic systemic racism and injustice and it's mm-hmm. just, it's it's not good. Uh, and hopefully things change and uh, hopefully things change before things get real bad. But yeah. if things need to get real bad for it to change, then hey, as long as change happens, right? Yeah, I suppose so, huh? So
0: well,, yep. okay, on on that note, I was I was obvious. like it, it's it's sort of unprecedented in a lot of ways. certainly in, in I mean, you and I are under fifty years old, and mm-hmm. we've never seen anything like this. Even people over fifty oftentimes have not seen anything like what's going on. Um, and it's a very stressful time, and you and I were chatting last night via text message pretty late. Um, I think it was pretty late. I don't even know. That's how late it was. It felt late, but who knows? Um, it was pushing midnight. Yeah. Uh, About like ways that we've both been coping or in my case last night, not so much coping with just general stressors of dealing with what's going on. And I found something very helpful that I'd like to share with anybody else who has had a tough time recently that also the, the Venn diagram is people that have been struggling recently. And on the other side, uh, people that really love Lord of the Rings. I'm just going to go ahead and smash those two circles together <laughs> to let you know about something called Reunited Apart. And it's a YouTube um, series, I suppose, hosted by Josh Gad. And what he's been doing is sort of orchestrating Zoom calls with the cast of films over, that people nice. love. And what I discovered and and heard about from, uh, I think my cousin texted me. He's like, hey, if you didn't know about this, this is coming up. And basically what happened is that Josh Gad hosted a reunited apart with the Lord of the Rings cast. Oh, wow. And it was, I mean, it was like everybody. It was Elijah Wood, Ian McKellen, Sean Austin, Viggo Mortensen. Um, Like, I could keep going. theres I think at one point there were probably like 18 people on screen. Damn. And it was everything. And Peter, I mean, the director of Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, was there with one of, I, I I think it must be his partner, but also who was a writer on the movies. Um, and they just talked about kind of behind the scenes stuff. There were, there were moments where they acted out scenes from the movie 20 years later. Um, and it was just okay. this really nice reprieve. And uh, like Gianna and I were watching it together and we joked about just maybe her skipping work and we just stay up and watch all three extended cuts of the movies. And it was midnight. So we'd be like, well, we'll just stay up until n- noon the next day and we'll finish all of them. Um, <laughs> it was just such a nice moment. If you, if you like Lord of the Rings, you will love this thing. Just just Google um you could you could Google Josh Gad Lord of the Rings if you want, or you could I think it's technically called One Zoom to rule them all. <laughs> so if you look that up on YouTube, it's about an hour long or 50 minutes long, I think. And it's just so heartwarming and lovely. And it's not really a spoiler, but the end of the thing, the way that it ends is is Pippin, um Billy Home, oh, I wish I could think of his name. What the hell is the actor that plays Pippin, oh my God, I feel so bad. Hang on, Pippin took uh, Billy. I'm gonna look it up because he deserves it. Um, yeah, uh, Billy Boyd. Yeah, Billy he, Boyd. He sings out. He sings us to the credits with the song that he his character sings when um, the orcs are starting attack starting attacking from Mordor and they're making their way to the White City. Mm. And it's just so it it's it's I don't know. It really got me <laughs> in yeah. a really major way. Um, but it was very cathartic, I think. So if, if you're into that kind of stuff, catharsis slash Lord of the Rings, I really recommend looking it up. That's awesome.
1: I'm going to probably look into that. That seems pretty cool. Yeah. You got to watch it very, very
0: lastly in in my hot and bothered is that I'm playing my first sort of public show since this all started at the commons here in Chico on, on June uh, 13th, which is a Saturday. I think it'll be not this coming Saturday. If you listen to this episode when it drops. But the following Saturday, I'm playing from three to five. They're really taking care to make sure people have sanitizing uh, stations. And it's a great place to do it because, like, nobody else touches your glass. You pour your own beer. And even that's kind of touchless to an extent. And um, I'm very excited to do it because there is this sense of kind of normalcy while maintaining safety, which I'm into. Totally.
1: That'll be cool. Plus, you know, you got to get that bread, son.
0: Yeah. So if you're free on, on June 13th, it's a Saturday. 3 p.m. Come on out of the commons, south end of town, right here. It'll be, I think, a pretty good time. Go throw some shekels at my boy. Why not? Uh, And that's hot and bothered, I think. Let's. I mean, if you're cool with it, do you want to jump back in? Or not back, but do you want to jump once again into the danger zone and talk about uh, the vast of night?
1: Well, let's jump back because my life is the danger zone, and when (laughs) I'm with you, I take a break from living in it. I appreciate that because I couldn't handle it. You couldn't. The fire is too hot in the kitchen, son. Sure. All
0: right, well, into the danger zone. Danger, danger zone, zone. Danger
1: zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger, zone. Ah. danger
0: zone. Welcome to the danger zone. We are here, Johnny Summers, The Vast of Night. Anything you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, that little girl's 22. Uh, is she really? <laughs> what? The actresses? Yeah. yeah, I
1: googled her. She was 22 when they filmed this or 21. I was like, what? She was like 14, 15,
0: I thought. Yeah. Very well, confused. Yeah. Sierra McCormick is who you're referring to. Yeah. She played, I mean, they both play high schoolers. Yeah. Right. They're both in that high school, I assume.
1: Yeah. Well, high school age for her, I think he's supposed to be a little bit older. Yeah. That's true.
0: But I think he is still kind of in high school. He kind of like walks through the place and sort of like everybody knows him and well, whatever. That's because he's cool, bro. Is that what it is? I've never understood the concept of cool. Being cool? Yeah. So, it's okay. It's fine. That's when you walk in a place and people know you. Uh, okay, yeah, I've never experienced that. What do you think That's of fine. What do you think of the ending? Let's can we briefly say how it ends?
1: Aliens, bro.
0: Okay, aliens. More specifically, can you walk me through like the final maybe five minutes of this movie? So the final five mov- five movies of this
1: minute sure. is uh, they're chasing this thing in the sky, and they keep trying to find it. And they're in a car. They're looking for it, and they get out. They start running. They're getting chased at that point, aren't they? There's also a baby at this point. There's a baby that's which I think is sister. important. Yeah, as her little sister's there. Yes, and they find this clearing, and there's like a big circle, like burned out of trees, uh, and like in the leaves, you can see there's like a silhouette. Yeah, and it's obviously like a flying saucer silhouette. Sure. And then pan to the sky, we have giant uh, flying saucers. Alien spacecraft.
0: A UFO, if
1: you will. The UFO, an identified flying object. (laughs) Oh, that's true. An IFO. Yeah, an identified flying object. (laughs) They saw it. They knew.
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah, and that's kind of where it ends, right? It just fades out. Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit confused because they make a point to be like, all right, these characters are looking at this one, let's just say UFO. Then the shot pulls away, and it's another bigger UFO that's coming kind of from behind them. Floats over them. And then I think this was my take on it, at least like the little UFO floats inside or like towards the big UFO. Do okay. you remember this? Yeah. And I was unclear as to what that was about. Like, I, like, and I feel like this is the, the type of movie. I feel like my cats. Can you hear my cat, Johnny? A little bit. Yeah. I wonder if it's coming through. I don't know. He said, Meah. Yeah. She's for like the past two days. My, my lovely wonderful blessing of a cat has been so vocal. I don't know what's going on with her, but she's (laughs) driving me nuts. Um, like a pirate on a steering wheel. Uh, okay. So I, I don't know. I feel like this is the part of the movie where since you could make the argument, this is kind of like a conspiracy type movie. Like you can make all sorts of projections about what the deal was with that small UFO going into the big one. And like, I don't know. I didn't spend too much time delving into the symbology or the metaphors of, of what this movie could have been about outside of thinking like, yeah, this is just a really cool, moody experiment on on 1950s, 60s sort of um, science fiction. And that that was good enough. But I'm wondering if there's more to be uh, delved into. And I think there probably is. I just haven't spent the time or brain power doing it.
1: I mean, probably. But I mean, that's kind of a a, a classic you know, methodology and science fiction. There's, you know, the smaller alien spacecraft that are like the explorers. Sure. And then there's, a, you know, like a mothership. Yeah. That's that. fair. Yep.
0: Yeah. I just, I thought it was a weird way to kind of end it. And I mean, the amount of time that they spent talking about, like, I don't know, denial of, of their being aliens for sure. But also just like the emphasis they put on people, being all in this one place. And I feel like there's a lot to be said about like um, sort of hive mind stuff. And and there's the scene where, um, Oh, do you remember the characters' names that were this older, not older, but like middle-aged couple that stumble upon our, our main characters. And then eventually that one guy kind of blacks out while driving.
1: Yeah. They called them like the
0: people from the Canyon. Sure. Yeah. I wonder if there's, there's any commentary about like, new ideas in quotes being represented by like aliens and those ideas being, let's say invisible or undetectable to people over a certain age. So the only people that experience these things are younger people or people that have gone through trauma while they're younger. Like the old lady who lost her son. Mm, I don't know. Like the opposite of you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Like maybe, maybe you can, but you got to do it when they're young. So you can, I'm maybe this doesn't make sense. It for sure doesn't make sense. What I'm trying to say is that, uh, perhaps there's an aspect of this movie that is suggesting that closed mindedness is bad and open mindedness in this case, represented by young people and aliens is the way to go. And then these two characters that we've been following, including the little baby. So I guess three, um, have, have almost become enlightened by the end. Mm. And I feel like I'm digging way too deep here because it maybe isn't even about that. Maybe it's just a mood piece, and that's fine too. But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe there's something more to it. It's
1: possible. I think. I mean, all th- th- see things like this have always been steeped in metaphor to some degree. Uh, I mean, even if you look back at, at a lot of the old like Twilight Zones, there's mm-hmm. there's like messages in them, and there's like a moral to them a sure. lot of the yeah, time. Sure. Uh, you know, some of them are like, you know, there's there's some some testaments or, or um you know, not testaments, um like statements about, like, you know, consumerism. And yeah, there's just, totally. There's really interesting, you know, underlying plot points that are just below the surface of these these stories. So, I mean, it's very possible that you could be reading and, you know, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, they only show up when everyone's distracted. Like, yeah,
0: like because. You know, of, keep, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. Keep going. Sorry to cut you off.
1: Oh, yeah, like people are sheep and like, you know, it's easier to get to people when they're isolated, you know, that'd be one thing to, you know, people that are disenfranchised or aren't part of the main herd are easier to get to and corrupt their minds or communicate with maybe, you know, because it was never really made clear if like, you know, there was ill intentions or anything. It's just like they made it to where like the people from the canyon, there was like the chanting. We should talk about the chanting a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. Th- that seemed to be like, there was like a trigger where like, if you said these words in this language that the old lady had written down that yep. like, you would just kind of drift off and look at the sky and she, it all was from a story of a girl that from the old lady's perspective, it was a girl that had survived like a train robbery or something, but everyone disappeared on the train, presumably, presumably like a mass abduction. Wait a minute. Uh,
0: I I think I'm, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. I think I missed all of that, I guess. Somehow. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. Cause I remember that scene They came into her apartment or her house and it was all dark and she was, uh, chanting the things. And then in my brain, she starts talking about how her son disappeared.
1: Oh yeah. No, no, no. So there was a whole other story about this, this woman that, um, had a baby that, like, yeah, the, she had the, the old lady had a baby, too, yeah, but the story. Right. yeah, the story was like the the girl that her family took in because they found her in the wilderness after everyone on the train that she was on just rolled to a stop because everyone inside had just disappeared.:
0: Okay, is it possible, Do- and hear me out, that when that scene happened, to avoid me discovering something, the aliens actually abducted me and then it put me back possible. after that information was
1: delivered? If you've got missing time, man, maybe <laughs> when they walked in and she was reading that stuff, yeah. you started like you drifted off and your eyes just went to the sky. Maybe
0: you're an alien. Perhaps more likely is, is that alcohol is the true solvent for time travel.
1: That's very true. And we all know you have a pension for time travel.
0: <laughs> I love time travel. Why not? Hmm. Um. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting point for sure. The chanting was weird. I feel like that wasn't ever fully resolved. Um, that's fine it was, again like maybe it it's was, more it, about the mood
1: it was cuz it came i mean resolved no they don't explain you don't get a full narration of what it is sure. but it's it's a coded type message from aliens it's almost like a signal
0: okay yeah because
1: when he started reading it in the car that's when the couple from the canyon started drifting off but it was like,
0: just the dad or just he's not a dad maybe but like just no the it husband. was
1: both it was both of them
0: it was it was both people in the front
1: seat Oh. Uh, i don't know Bro, i you sworn need there to watch was a point no where, where
0: the wife was like grab the wheel, grab the wheel. Or was that, no, that uh, was the girl in the back seat. Fey? Cause
1: both oh, of the shoot. people in the front seat, you just saw both their heads just start drifting up and they just stared oh, yeah, off true. into space.
0: Yeah. I just, for some reason I thought that the wife was coming back, like came back sooner than the husband, but maybe not. Mm. No, I don't think so. All right. Yeah. It would be simpler if that was not the case, mm-hmm. man, you got to watch this movie again. I guess so, man. I get like, shoot. I had a really hard time latching on to like the first 20, 30 minutes. Mm. I don't know. You must try harder. Yeah, I suppose so.
1: <laughs> we were just talking about how we always watch things too critically. Apparently, except for this.
0: It was a Monday, middle of the day, man. I don't know. That's a different That's a different set of rules. That doesn't mean any... So you were drunk at Monday in the middle of the day and couldn't pay attention to this movie. <laughs> Actually, this is not the- getting better for you, Max. I hex. think that's the sad part. I don't think I was drinking when I watched it. Maybe that was the problem. Bro, you
1: literally... Just cited alcohol as an excuse of why you didn't pay attention to this movie, and that alcohol is the real reason for time travel. No, I, were were you drunk or not? Monday afternoon, you can't handle the truth. I'm getting some mixed reports from Minardi over here. No,
0: you told me one time about a person that you knew that would attribute um, blacking out for long periods of time time travel because of alcohol. Oh, yeah. That's what I was referring to. Not that I anybody else would know that. But, uh, wasn't that's that what, me? Um, no, it was not you. I've said that in relation to drinking before. Well, Maybe not to you. Now I have to, but I was not. No, to be clear, no. Uh, Monday around noon when I watched this, I was not certainly drunk. I don't even think I was drinking a beer.
1: You were blacked out, hammered, <laughs> shit wrecked. I know it.
0: From the night before. I oh, <laughs> still wasn't drinking that day. Didn't need oh, to. Doesn't count if
1: you just drink your own <laughs> blood and get drunk. <laughs>
0: What a weird what a weird danger zone it's this stupid. is. <laughs> we got to get out of here. Let's
1: end this episode.
0: Okay. Um, then I guess final, final notes. Of course, this episode and the show in general wouldn't be possible without the support of Bailey Minardi. Um, we'll be back at you next Wednesday with another episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, go back to the beginning and jot down all the stuff that we said you can get in touch with us through. In the meantime, that's Johnny Summers.
1: That's Max Minardi, and we'll catch you on the flippity-flop that. everyone We hope you
0: enjoy this
1: is Fresh Hop Cinema.